Hey there, and welcome to Brushes with Cancer Southern Region Spotlights. I'm Lindsay, and today I'll be chatting with artist Valley Bach and her inspiration, Bobby Marchand. We'll talk about their involvement with Twist Out Cancer, how they became participants in the Brushes with Cancer program, how their connection unfolded and developed, and what they continue carrying with them from their experience together. Hi, my name is Valley Bach, and I'm an artist, uh, visual artist. I work with oil paint on linen, and I'm also a registered nurse, and I'm actually going to be starting a new job in oncology to, on Monday. My name is Bobby Marchand. I am a BRCA1 gene carrier, and I am a two-time triple negative breast cancer survivor. Wow, amazing. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you've already both given me so many places to start from, but I guess, Bobby, how did you find out about Brushes with Cancer and this whole program? Well, Cancer and I are kind of, um, we're life partners, even though I would never have chosen Cancer as a life partner, I don't mm. think. And it's been something that has been coming in and out of my life in waves since I was nine, all the women in my family are BRCA1 gene carriers. Back before anybody knew what BRCA1 was, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in 86 and I was nine. So it's been coming in and out of my life so much. And as a former professional dancer, and now I'm a yoga teacher and wellness consultant, I thought, you know what, it's actually time to stop putting cancer in the closet and bring it to the forefront of what I do with my life. And so I started to look for other organizations that have done the same thing. Like Jenna has taken her, uh, what could have just completely dismantled her life and taken it and, and made it into something that brings awareness, beauty, curiosity, community to this disease. And I've wanted to find people like that so that we can create a vibrant, real cancer community. And so I found brushes by looking for people like Jenna. Could you tell me a couple of things? Number one, for people who might not know, can you explain what BRCA1 is and, and what it means to people that are carriers? And also yeah. tell me who Jenna is to you and to the program. Great. So I have come <laughs> to know BRCA1 as a gene mutation that having an, not even knowing what that looks like in my body until the valley so beautifully drew what it looks like which mm -hmm. is remarkable that's that's definitely something that i would have never wow like wow that gene is so beautiful actually uh so it is a it's a predisposition to certain kinds of cancers namely breast cancer and mm. others. So breast cancer and other special guests, I guess you could say, other guest starring cancers. So with the majority of my family experiencing breast cancer and specific kinds of breast cancer, typically in my family, triple negative has been the name of our game, wow. which is a hard cancer to treat. So when I stumbled upon Jenna, what I noticed right away with what she does with twist out cancer and brushes with cancer is that she helps bring a, a voice. And there's so many different ways of using our voice 
in cancer, what I was struck by about Twist was that Jenna used her and used her body to bring a community and not in like I, I, that's that might sound like what, but like by by organizing these like online dance parties as a way of bringing people closer to her while she was going through this. And then to take something like brushes and and art is a way of using our voice when we when we can't bring words to what it is that we've experienced. So Jenna, I think, is a real pioneer of helping people get out of the headiness of cancer and get into the somatics of it, which is remarkable. Amazing. Well, Valley, hearing that Bobby, it took your art to show Bobby how beautiful it can be to recognize something that has caused so much, you know, challenge and difficulty in one's life. How does, what do you, what do you think when you, when you hear that? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. It's, it's beautiful. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great honor to hear that. How did you come across Brushes with Cancer? Uh, so I came across Brushes through my cousin, Jim Burke. He is uh, currently going through cancer treatment. He had stage four lung cancer um, with metastasis, and he had a pretty dire diagnosis, but he's actually going skiing, doing well. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, He takes a pill uh, daily, and he has two young children, and his wife also has active cancer. So as a couple, they're both going through chemotherapy currently with these two young children. So pretty phenomenal how they're, you know, managing this whole process. And so his wife, she is the one who called me and said, Sally, you know, I'm involved with this. Jenna's my friend. She lives in Philadelphia. And uh, she said, I'd, I'd like you to, you know, be involved in this organization. I think you um, could bring a lot to this project. And so she referred me and then I and that's how I got connected. And, that's, and then I applied and then and then I met Bobby. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So when the two of you met up to talk about, I guess, both of your experiences, what were the things that you were able to connect on in those early meetings? I think when when Jenna connected me with Valley and I looked at her work, I was, I mean, I was struck by the richness of her work first and foremost. And then, you know, as it's, and then I went sort of did a deep dive into her website and saw that she was also a nurse. And during my, any, any of my uh, exposures to cancer, be it a caregiver or a patient, I've noticed just how tirelessly compassionate the nursing staff is. And so when I saw that Valley was a nurse and an artist, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like I don't have to edit anything because she already knows. She's already seen it. Yeah. And it, it put me at such ease that I felt like I didn't have to give her the glossy version of the experience that I could go almost like right to the jugular <laughs> with it. And she wouldn't back away. In yeah. fact, it sh- I sensed right away that she would step closer. And that was so incredible. 
to know that she probably wasn't looking for me to be like, what's the prettiest painting we could make about breast cancer? <laughs> Let's make it so pretty. <laughs> like That she maybe wasn't going to do that. I kind of went into the first conversation being like, all right, let's go. <laughs> um, so that was amazing for me yeah. as, as a, um, a survivor. And then when she told me she had been through it too, I was like, oh, what? Like this, it was amazing. Yeah. So Valley, so you had this experience with your family and you've also now had this kind of close experience with Bobby in, in making this piece of art. Is that, did those things influence you in changing your direction and, and focusing in on oncology? Or were you already a nurse? I did. Um, yes, yes, yes. I've been a nurse since 2004. Um, <clears throat> I've mostly worked in, worked in intensive care. So I like what Bobby said about the jugular because I connected, I felt that also. And same with Bobby, like I was able, we were able to go right to the heart of the matter, I feel like, just and communicate very deeply about this experience. And and I've been through cancer treatment also. So, and I actually, you know, I went through my own, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I'm, I was diagnosed in 2014. I had a port, I had six months of chemo, lost all my hair. Then I had two years of complications uh, where I took a break from hospital work. Um, and then I, you know, anyway, so then I, when I returned back to work after I was better, I've been in remission ever since. Um, I worked in palliative care for a while and I was, then I switched to home care and I've been in my home care experiences. I live in the Hamptons and I visit patients in their homes and I've, the ones that I really connect with are the oncology patients and especially even the ones in the palliative care transitioning to hospice. That's an area of work that I kind of I'm drawn towards. I'm just naturally drawn in that area for some reason. It's not something I've chosen. It's just something I tend to be good at. So that's so now I'm choosing to work into oncology, and yeah, just connecting with Bobby and hearing her voice. I've told I've expressed this to Bobby. She, I think she has such a beautiful voice and said so much about her. So inspiring, and I just love hearing her talk. <laughs> She's given me a lot, so much inspiration uh, hearing, you know, her story and and also it's just been really deep to connect and, and as as we're both survivors and so that even strengthens the connection and so we ha we can relate on so many different levels and it's it's been a really interesting process, really creative and I agree with everything Bobby said about Jenna and giving a voice and also you know when you can't say something art is something we use when we can't uh, verbalize we use images or dance or then i love what bobby had to say about the somatic you know uh, expression yeah well since both of you actually have this experience i mean i don't think it's common that the artist and the inspiration have both had an experience of what it's like to live with cancer so <laughs> amazing actually yeah I want to know, you know, going through this, you said knowing that each of you had had that experience, you didn't feel like you needed to ease each other into the realities of what it's like to live with cancer. So yeah. what do you wish that people 
who haven't had that experience knew about what it is actually like to live with cancer day to day. I saw this infographic yesterday, like a pie chart, and the there was a sliver in the pie that said, like, what we present we're going through was the sliver. And the whole rest of the pie was what it's actually like. And I thought that was really interesting. Or it's a little bit like how we might use social media, right? Like the highlight reel. You kind mm-hmm. of, I think there's a, there's a real tendency to give people the highlight reel because the reality can be uh, really raw. Yeah. And my, my hope would be is that every cancer patient everywhere has at least one person that they don't have to give the highlight reel to, that they don't have to give the, oh, it's okay, but because this too. And because there are parts of it that are beautiful and like incredible to like experience this and, and live to tell the tale. There are moments that is like, that are shockingly touching and beautiful and heartwarming. And at the same time, like, I wish I didn't have to experience that while simultaneously having my breasts removed. Yeah. Can you tell me just one of the moments that you were surprised that you were grateful to be going through? Yeah, let me do like a flip book for a second. I find <laughs> the the moment. Oh my god, there's so many. They, they, there's so many of them actually. I've often got a lot of like water images when I talk about the experience, and one of it was the, what I'm thinking about right now is that there's such a familiarity in the moment of diagnosis, whether it's my mom being diagnosed repeatedly or me having you know, now two diagnoses, they feel the same. And it has felt like it is being like taken out in an undertow. And I was surprised one day. I went in to have a chemo treatment and I was seeing my oncologist first. And my nurse practitioner, Odessa Williams, came into the room and she said, you know, Bobby, I'm really sorry but your blood count just isn't high enough today to have your last chemo treatment. I'm sorry. And I said, it's okay. I kind of expected that that was going to be the the way it was going to go today. And she said, but I'll be right back. Hang on a second. And she walked out of the room. And so I had a moment where I was like disappointed, but I was like, okay, it's all right. And Odessa came back in about two minutes later and she goes, actually, Bobby, I talked to Dr. Robson. You don't have to have any more chemo. I think we're done. And it felt exactly the same as being diagnosed, except for being pulled out and like dragged. I felt like I was pulled out, dragged, and then I popped up out of the surface. It was, it was like, it it felt exactly the same, except for like, (gasps) I also like took a breath at the same time. And it was like this moment where I was like, wow, like, what an amazing feeling that two things can feel almost identical the moment it starts and the moment it ends. And it was like wild. And immediately after, like, you know, I like burst into tears. <laughs> and so I had a moment with Odessa. And then my mom was waiting for me in the waiting room. And like, very typically, I have been, I'm going to say, like, emotionally put together. In a, in a hospital setting, right? I'm not going to like freak out. 
I have done it a little bit, but usually it's behind closed doors. And I walked out into the waiting room and the moment I saw my mom, it went, and I was like 25, a good 25, 30 feet from her. I like almost collapsed and was hysterical sobbing, just mm-hmm. hysterical and walking towards her almost like if at like the speed of almost crawling. And my mom was going, what, what, what? And I was just like the feeling of it, like the giant weight coming off of me. And in that moment, I didn't care who saw me losing it. And in fact, like in the moment where I pulled myself together, I just sort of like looked around and like, instead of people like averting their eyes, there was like compassion in the room. They had no idea why I was sobbing, but there was this look of like, I see you and I'm not going to look away. And that was like, there were other amazing moments, but that to me was one where I was, instead of wanting to hide, I didn't care who saw me. And that felt really powerful. And, oh gosh, can I tell you one more moment? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, I discovered a lump and I called my oncologist and said, look, I got to come in, blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay. And then he sent me like pretty much right away for a biopsy. And if any of you listening have ever had a stereotactic biopsy, it's terrifying because the sound of a, the gun is like, it's, it's intense. And I had forgotten that because I had one in 2011. So I went in to have the biopsy and I was sort of like, I had like my game face on and I was doing my thing and I was like cracking jokes with the nurses because I wanted them to like me and they, that thing, I wanted them to think I was cool and <laughs> all that stuff. So I laid down and they put the, and they said, oh, we're going to do a stereotactic biopsy. I said, oh yeah, I've had that before. Okay, cool. And so I laid down and I laid back and they, you know, they numbed the area and like, you know, they inserted the, the device. And then she said, okay, I'm going to give the biopsy now. And I said, okay. And so she stuck it in and she, and she clicked the gun and I had like a visceral reaction that was uh, like, I sat up from the table and tried to run from the room. Yeah. And she, and I just started like shaking and crying and just flipping out. And she said, oh, okay, you're not okay. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And she, and the nurses, there were three nurses in the room and they came over and they held me. And then they walked me back over to the table and I laid down and one nurse held one hand. The other nurse held the other hand, not holding me down, but actually And then they each had a hand on another body part. And they're like, we're here with you. And we get it. We know that this is really hard. And we're really sorry that this is what we have to do. They were so, it was such a, like, a female, like, we got you moment. (laughs) And it was so incredible. And, like, they were like, it's okay. You can sob the whole way. We're not going to try to make you feel different. You go ahead. You cry. It's okay. And I felt, I was like, thank you so much. Like, but it was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible to be supported in that way. And they weren't trying to like make my experience. Like they weren't like, it's okay. You should stop crying anytime now. Here's a Kleenex. They were like, it's okay. This is really hard. Yeah. And I, and it was really beautiful to be supported in that way. 
So I was really grateful for that. And I just took like 10 minutes of telling like stories. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, Valley, I'm sure you've heard some of these stories before. So how did learning these things about Bobby inform the way that you wanted to go about creating the piece? Oh, no, we just lost Valley. We lost her. Oh, no. Well, hopefully she'll come back quickly. We'll see. I um, should have I should have made that story faster so we didn't lose. So I know. It was right at the end. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I would love to know what you learned about yourself that you wouldn't have been able to know before going through this yourself. I don't think I would have known the totality of myself. I don't think I would have let myself know myself. I don't think I would have known. um, To say the depth of myself is like a little too cliche. I I think in the ways of like, I've joked and and maybe even I've said this, like I felt like the summer that I had chemotherapy and like this particular time in 2019, it happened between like May. It started in May and my treatment ended in, in January. And so there was a very large chunk of it where I felt like I was like a brownstone in New York City being gut renovated. And it was like everything was gone. My hair was gone. My breasts were gone. My energy was gone. Like ways that I would have uh, my ability to move my body in the way that I've emotionally processed things kind of like my whole life. I wasn't able to do. I was exhausted. I wouldn't have found other ways unless I was totally stripped. And I felt just stripped down and also felt so free at the same time. And I don't think I would have ever chose to do any of those things. Yeah. To experience it. But I, but it was, had I not gone through it. Yeah. It's just part of myself that I never would have accessed. Yeah. At all. The one thing I want to get from you before mm-hmm. we get our last thing from Valley is now moving forward. Mm-hmm. What, how are you now that you have had this experience living with cancer? Mm-hmm. What are you doing in your life that has changed from how you were living before? Or what has it clarified for you? That I can't crush it every day. That I need to, I know that there's like, you know, there's some societal buzzwords out there right now, like grind culture. I was like a card carrying member of grind culture (laughs) (laughs) to not do it. And I say that not because I think that is what triggered any sort of illness, but I also know in that subscribing to the need to do it all, all the time, be everything to everyone means that I miss what is really important day to day. It has got me way closer touch with what I value both within my own self and what I value in others. It has given me clarity on relationships. It has given me a lot. It's given me more than it's taken away. Yeah. What, what it took from me actually needed to be taken, I think. Interesting. You also mentioned something about in, in your questionnaire about mm-hmm. the importance of now, doing certain things now. And yeah. it's interesting. So what are the things that you think are important to do now versus the things that, like you said, grinding isn't what you need to do right now. <laughs> what What are the no. things that you need to do right now and that maybe everybody needs to do right now? Well, 
Tell the people I love that I love them. Show them that daily. Be in the time. So I'm a yoga teacher. And one of the things that we talk about is like, whether you subscribe to this or not, like in the teachings of yoga, they say you're only given so many breaths in a life. And I used to live in a way that like, let's see how much I can pack into a day. And now it's a little bit like, let's see how much I can stretch time in a day by going like long breaths. How much, how much can I love in that time? So I remind myself daily and it's hard to do. I think just in the pace of life that we find ourselves in now, especially post-pandemic, now there's an urgency to now, like, oh my gosh, now we can go back and do all this stuff. But that in enjoying what is in front of me right now versus it will be better when I have X or it will, I'll enjoy my life more when I am doing Y or I will, when this phase is over. I will have, because those sort of projections aren't useful because we don't know if we actually will get there. And I think like that's sort of like the sobriety that comes along with being in a cancer body is there is like a, like a, and it's not heavy, right? It's just like a, a soberness, like, oh, it is now. You know, there's so much talk about like being present and nowness and all of that, but I have moments where I'm like, is this really important right now? Yeah. And if the answer is no, it gets shelved. Yeah. Huh. Welcome back, Valley. Yay, you're back. I'm so, Thank I'm so you, sorry Valley. I'm drowning. That. I'm drowning. That's okay. <laughs> you know, this is perfect. The, uh, the oh, way- actually, you know, you know what? I just want to say it is perfect. It's so funny because when you just said I'm drowning, is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> That's what I wanted to share is that when you were talking about the story with, you know, the first, uh, your first experience that you described in this conversation, I wanted to just, it re- reminded me when you were talking about the undertow and, and, and all of that with the, with the water references. And I, 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 have another, I have my own experience that really relates to that in an interesting way. And it is that I was uh, in the end of my treatment phase, and I think I had one more treatment to go. And I went to the ocean in Montauk. My husband surfs, and he was surfing with a friend. And I was feeling like, okay, I'm almost done my chemo treatment. I guess I'm getting strong. And I'm from Florida, so I'm used to going in the water. And I've never, I've been able to swim very, I was a diver in high school. I'm a strong swimmer. So I just thought, oh, I'll just go in the water. And I got sucked into an undertow. And I almost drowned. And I was I, I was seeing my last moments as in my life. I was uh, had a near death experience drowning, and I you know everything went white. And I because I was basically went out. I lost. I was up to my waist, and then I got pulled in, and I couldn't get out of the rip current. And I was trying to get out of it, but I wasn't strong enough to get out of the rip current. And I uh, luckily my husband's friend who was surfing with him happened to notice that I was drowning and they came over on the surfboards and rescued me and so did the other surfers who were in the area and it was you know uh, anyway I was a very close call I started to see like white light I started to kind of go under I mean I was just I kind of just was sucking in the water when I got rescued and put on the board and then anyway I survived so I survived that and then I still had and then I when I went to see my oncologist at St. Roosevelt Hospital in the city he said, I remember he made a joke and he was like, look at you, you went ahead and almost 
died before your last chemo treatment. And I remember I was so pissed at him. Like, he thought it was funny, but it was not funny. It was like, I was furious. I was, it was just, I'm not even saying it right, but he was so obnoxious. And I think it was like, he didn't want the mortality rate on his record. Like, oh, I've done so well to save you with cancer. And now you've gone ahead and just tried to, you know, drown yourself in the ocean to make, and you make my records look bad. But I don't know, whatever it was, I did not like it. (laughs) And I, and then I think that last treatment I had, I was furious and I was so anxious. I was shaking and I was still like recovering from the end of the cancer the drowning experience and then having this exchange with the doctor. And then I was like, they always gave us some, some Xanax or they always, you know, I never took Xanax or Ativan in my life until chemo, but they, you know, it was part of the chemo treatment. And at this point I really was shaking and I was like, can I please have something to calm my nerves? And I remember the nurse said, no, the doctor's not ordering it for you. And I completely flipped out. I threw my, I had a bottle of Sprite. I threw it across the room. I I had a temper tantrum. I was just, like, <laughs> and then I found a different oncologist to follow up with me after that. Uh, wow. I stopped seeing him. I didn't like the way I was treated, and uh, uh, he, it was not funny to make fun of my near-death drowning. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that was just, I wanted it that kind of just to tie into what you were saying about the drowning. And so I kind of had, it was it's all kind of in, in a weird way connected some, you know. Yeah. Well, wow. Valley, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you and apologize. No worries. Valley, what I want you to tell us right now as we wrap up the session is how sure. did your experiences with cancer, hearing about Bobby's experiences with cancer, how did those things shape the piece that you ultimately created? Okay. So I created multiple pieces. I think I created, uh, I don't know, probably 10 pieces throughout this exchange. So it's, it's hard to speak to all of them. And I know I'm, I should only be speaking to the two I submitted, but um, the two I did submit are the called, we, and Bobby and I titled, well, Bobby actually came up with the titles, which I think is magnificent for all the different pieces I made, which as part of the collaboration, I love it. I love her titles. So she came up with the title, Beautiful Proliferation, number one, and Beautiful Proliferation, number two. So there's two paintings, and they're based on the BRCA1 gene. And I paint, and we also discussed at length the pink ribbon. And we, so I was trying to incorporate this conversation about cancer, breast cancer, BRCA1 gene, and I used the pink ribbon to, as, a, as a symbol and as an image that has both negative and positive you know, attributes. So I created an image that basically reflected that as that had been part of our conversation. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering this all so well, but really this, com- this experience of communicating with Bobby and hearing her experience has really deepened my own experience. And, and like you questioned earlier in the conversation, Lindsay, it has actually, it brought me to want to work with oncology patients. It's kind of pushed me more and more to realize, wow, there's such a, and I don't know, I just felt drawn to have more of these conversations and, and to work and to communicate with people going through this experience. So it, it was, it's just been very inspiring and I've learned tremendous amount and, you know, it's just an ongoing process. I feel like I'm still inspired by the whole, it's not ended and it's still, I'm going to still be continuing to kind of create just from this experience in this exchange. 
I love that. Well, ladies, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your time with me. Is there anything anyone wants to say really quickly before we head out? I mean, I'm just so grateful that I never would have seen this coming. Like a a program like this, that like something so, we got to have a preview of the pieces the other night on a call and to see people's expressions of their experience that it's brought to something that used to be so hidden and so silent and whispered about for art to be made about cancer is just extraordinary and that there's a platform to do it. And I'm so incredibly touched to be a part of this process and to be given a voice. It's amazing. Yeah. Likewise. I want to say just to have a voice for this experience is amazing. It absolutely is. So I think it's a wonderful organization and a wonderful project to just Mm -hmm. give all these voices just because it's that's what you're missing in a way when you go through the experience and to be able to share your voice and have it heard by another person it's so healing and and more than one person it's it's a healing experience for everyone yeah absolutely absolutely well thank you so much ladies thank Um, you Lindsay. Congratulations on making such a beautiful piece and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.